Welcome to The Breadwinners. We're back for season five and taking your questions about work, life, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Owens. I served as editorial director of Working Mother Media and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm Rahel Ellison. I'm an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. There's nothing we like more than talking about work-life strategies, but we know that in the real world, such questions can be very personal and a little prickly. In this season of The Breadwinners, we tackle them all. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? (laughs) Eh, I'm doing good. Just sitting in front of a window, listening to car alarms. That's how it's Uh going here. So, I'm watching Suburban Boston. I'm just watching these. Just watching it pass by. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful thing. So, well, we have a question for us today. Are you ready? Do you have your thinking cap tightly in place? Yes. It's great. (laughs) Well, as we record this, the episode that is out now there is a time machine, folks. I hate to admit it, but there is. Actually, I don't hate to admit it. We record these a little earlier, so we make sure we always have an episode. (laughs) I mean, come on. People know. You're savvy. The episode that's out this week is talking about living with job layoff anxiety. And so, you know, you have the layoff, you know, it's coming. I worry. It happens. And then you're going into the job hunt and there's people leads ghost you or I've never had this happen, but rescinded offers are like in the mix now. That's super awful. But on this week, we're on the other side. We have a breadwinner with competing job offers. And so here we go. This is very exciting. I have dreamed of this day. So may I one day be this breadwinner? So (laughs) here we go. Hello, breadwinners. For the maybe the first time in my career, I have two competing job offers to consider. Base compensation is nearly the same for both, so the differences lie in the job descriptions, in the companies, and what culture I can sense from my interviews. One opportunity is with a fast-growing startup that will want me to build from scratch The other is with a global company where I'll be much lower on the ladder, but with a better defined role working with an established team. Can you help me consider my options? What factors should I be considering that I can look out for or ask about before I commit to either one? Um, I still have time and I don't want to make the wrong choice. What do you think about that? Let's all, let's A, congratulate this. Yes. Yay! Breadwinner. Yes. It's great to have these different options and to think about the different factors. So let's recap. So she's got two, or this person has two different offers. One being corporate. Yeah. One being startup. Yeah. One being startup. Since it's a startup, I'm going to assume having worked at startups. There's not a lot there, you know, it's kind of hurly burly, but, but the, you know, which is, can be a con unless you really love that kind of energy, but you kind of get to be, you know, that you're being brought in to build something that doesn't exist. That's what startups are all about. And then the corporate one, there's a corporation, there's, yeah, I'm sure, you know, so-and-so does this part, you do that part kind of thinking. So, I mean, one of the pieces that would be 
really important for us to know. And I'm guessing she didn't write this in her letter or they did not. I'm keeping everything from you. No, no, I no, I don't have it. <laughs> is the role that she, you know, is excited about playing, right? Yeah. So, because I think, as usual, when someone writes in with a question, I have questions. You have so many ask. clarifying questions to ask. Yes. Which is so helpful because they're not here. But what I would ask them is to think about exactly what you just said, which is, do you want to be at the early stage, new idea, trial and error, like hurry, hurry up and wait and see if it works kind of startup space, which right. to say that all startup spaces are, or do you want to be in an environment where there's a certain status quo, mm-hmm. there is less potentially, you know, your your impact around if you would like to be in that kind of startup early stage new idea space could be inhibited in different ways, by the way, by the company culture and what fit it doesn't fit. So I would really want to know more about that because I think, I think that's one piece of it. I also think that I was actually coaching someone who is an entrepreneur who was looking to go internal to a more established company. Yeah. And was applying to jobs and kind of like applying, I wouldn't say willy nilly, but definitely just trying to get just his trying name to get a job. Yeah. That, oh, right. I have that, been there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the question is, you know, I've been there too, right? Yeah. So like having been an entrepreneur and then having gone inside an organization for five years, I, I think that what I learned about myself was really that piece around innovation and around flexibility and around kind of the startup experimentation. And that for me, not having that or being in an environment where that really wasn't the case, even though I was made very aware of it, was hard to take ultimately. And so thinking about the role of, first of all, do you like being in that initial phase of building something? A, right? Because if you do, what do you like about that? What gives you the satisfaction? Is it trying out new ideas and being the architect of new ideas? Or is it just because that might be something that you have more flexibility to do in a startup environment than you have right. in a big enterprise. Is it that, you know, where are you going to want to be heard? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to want to, where are you going to want to say something? <laughs> where are you going to want to be heard? Like what right. authority do you want in the execution of what you're building? I think. You know, and I'm, this person could be a software programmer or an accountant, which would have very different roles in the startup space. But I think there's a certain... There's just no job security either. I'd like to say that, you know, like, you know, you think it's the hurly burly is a little uncertain at a startup or whatever. I'm here to tell... (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, like, yeah. Of all this discussion, what can you build? What can you learn? What kind of voice do you want to have? Because, yeah, you'll be heard much louder at a startup, but you may have to speak really loud to get them to pay attention. But at a corporation, you can be heard, but you'll have to say it 60 times and you have to speak very resolutely but calmly if you're willing to do that. But you're saying there's no job security at the startup or there's no job security anywhere? Anywhere. Oh, no, I agree. So if you think like the corporation, as someone who just worked at a corporation and got laid off, and it's my fourth time getting laid off twice at startups, once at established, and now once at a super big corporation, eh, and I don't even say that like, well, look at me, but I'm saying it can happen anywhere. So if the compensation is the same, basically, the current, and then there's like, you know, you look at the larger compensation factors, like, is there equity involved? Are there bonuses involved? What's the healthcare? Are they going to help with healthcare? Because some startups don't. One of my startups had no healthcare. They just didn't pay for it. Wow. So there is the thought of looking at all compensation factors beyond just salary in your hand. But if that is seems pretty comparable, I would take job security over in that, like, it's comparable for both. <laughs> Guess what I'm saying? Put it in the it's comparable bucket versus the differentiation that you could be looking at. Yeah. I think it is really about being able to walk into an enterprise where there are more, you know, you walk into a new job, you want to make a good impression. There's lots of different factors, but you do need to be able to say in that culture. I'm out. Like, I'm, you know, I'm off. Yeah. It is well, and that's what the question I have for you. Is there a way to suss that out? I mean, it's so hard. I was speaking to a recruiter recently and he was asking me, you know, what are you looking for? What makes a job attractive to you? And, and certainly compensation is a big factor, but it boils down to respect. And so it's respect for the work that I do, that you value what I'm doing. Because I have been places where they don't really value the work product, oddly. It seems weird to say, but that's happened. And part and parcel, not always the same, but also respect for the individuals, myself or my teams or, or the like. I have worked at places where the culture is highly disrespectful and- But I said, I realized that it's really hard to know that that's the case anyplace. And so my question, like, can, is there any way to suss that out before you jump in, before they put a ring on it? You know, it's interesting. And the answer is no. (laughs) No, I don't think, I think there's different things, right? I think there are, I think there's the respect question. Yeah. And there's the boundaries question. Those are not, those are linked questions but they are not the same question. Do you know what I'm saying? I think that. Right. That is exact, I completely agree that sometimes they can respect the work or at least give cursory respect to the work and still not respect their workforce. That the, you, They can be together. They can also be apart. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think what you want to know is does the workplace value your well-being. Oh, that's interesting. Because 
if they value, you know, I was reading this article, where was it? There have been researchers who've been looking at the difference between thriving and overall well-being, mm-hmm. right? And I think thriving requires they actually they actually their their paper actually goes into like this is what thriving is and this is what it isn't. And it says it's not mental health and well-being, but um, and they talk about, you know, what it is, what it's not. It's not flow, it's not all those things, but it is being encouraged to learn and create and grow in a way that yeah. I do think requires a certain level of respect because it it's about empowerment mm-hmm. and it's about trust of a certain level. And I think well-being is different than that. I think if an organization values your well-being, really it's about, I mean, ask the question, what additional employee support programs do you have? What services do you have? And what's the utilization? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that was always my best company's framework was, you know, what's offered, who has access and what's the usage, right? Because yeah, you jump right ahead because that's isn't that always we know it's the key. You can offer everything, but if you're not allowed to use it, really, if right. the culture says no, right? I think you want to try. Can you to- ask that when you're negotiating? Because nowadays, it seems to me we're dealing a lot more with recruiters or maybe I am yeah. more. Yeah. I think the world of of job that the applicant tracking systems are so clunky and it's all keyword driven, what that it comes down to needing recruiters to kind of facilitate the thing. I, that's been my experience then like 10 years ago. So hopefully you have someone you can talk to that's not the hiring manager, or maybe in the startup, it is the hiring manager to talk to about these things. But do you think it's yeah. appropriate? I mean, to ask, I guess. You know, I don't know. I think you're right. I don't know if you'll get the answer. Yeah. Mean, but I do think trying to, for me, it's less important that you, like the first line of defense or the first thing that you really should do is figure out, are these people burning out or not? <laughs> like and yeah. you know, people that you're going to be working with. And there are lots of different ways to see that. But I think we tend to go into jobs thinking about, are they excited about what they're working on? And that's all well and good, but it actually yeah. only if you're excited about it. And then the collegiality and the collaboration, like, yes, that's important. But are these people like doing okay? Yeah. My brother, who I love referring to, I am <laughs> a 90. He truly is the lodestar of our podcast. <laughs> He has never listened to this. If you've listened to this. <laughs> so we can talk smack about him. We got can it. totally talk smack. He went to an interview once and, you know, it was, uh, he was much earlier in his career and he was hoping for, this was where he thought he was going to go in his industry to this mm-hmm. kind of place and this kind of specialization. And, um, he went into somebody's office and the guy looked like he hadn't slept in like two weeks. He was putting in an order for dinner. And he was like, I can't remember the last time I ate dinner at my apartment. You know, it was just like, yeah. And he was like, if you work here, he started giving my brother like this advice. Like, 
here's how to survive. This is what life will be like. Yeah. What's interesting is I don't think that my brother ended up at that point in his career having that different of an experience in terms of expectations of work time that other people did. But I do think from what I can gather that the employer that he got and that he's been with this entire time, you know, for like the 15 years since he's graduated, I don't know. Yeah. Is he's well, like they support his well-being. Yeah. And there's something about his company that I think that's pretty consistent. And I think, you know, if you, that's, it's just sort of a, a little That's one thing you could see are the least the performative approaches to well-being. Like at least, you know, like if there's nothing there, then, you know, like at least you could see that there are things you could access. There's also the thought of, could you find anyone who works there? Because that's that was a gift for your brother is to actually talk to someone who works there to get a little insight. That's a good step that I think everyone should take. And I say that as someone who never takes it, because I'm always the one who's so excited, like, oh, I could do, you know, X, Y, and Z at this company. I'm going to do it all. And just, you know, just like runs in blindly time and time again. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No. And I think, I think what we learned, you know, we were just talking about this, like, and hopefully we'll talk more about like, what, how do you survive the pandemic? How do you survive the post pandemic? What have we, I think we have learned I think we've all, you know, some, I've had people roll their eyes at this comment, but I'm just going to say it anyway. We've gone through a major trauma. Yeah. All of us collectively, there is an impact of trauma. And we think about like big T, little T trauma. You know, we think about trauma as wars and horrible events, yeah. which, it is, which is big T. Physical. Right. Or, well, and it, it, it was physical. I don't know. You, yeah. Obviously, you can already hear me. I'm not rolling my eyes, but I'm like, but, 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 but no, you're right. But you're no, right. The thing is, it, it kind of doesn't matter if you look at some of the research that's out there on something called polyvagal theory, right? Which is, it doesn't matter what you call it, but a common response to trauma is this kind of compromised coping around calming yourself down and it kind of has shifted us collectively. It's so hard. I totally, it's so much harder for me to calm down than it was pre-pandemic. Yes. It it is. And, And we're looking at that. And so I think we take for granted, or at least as speaking for myself, I think I took for granted something that at different points in my career, maybe it was because I was younger, maybe it was because it was pre-pandemic. Who the heck knows? Mm-hmm. But there's a sense like, oh, I can just kind of battle my way through this yes. crazy. Everything yeah. is heightened. And the reason why it's heightened, and you can look at Nicole LaPera writes about this, all of the polyvagal theory folks, bunch of people we can link to, but and we have a visual we can link to, but it's fight, flight, freeze, or fawn thing that we're all just defaulting to all the time. Mm. We do not have the space and peace to live in. We've been under chronic stress. Chronic stress is trauma. 
the trauma relates to how reactive we are. So my point, which I'm making in a very long way, is to second guess, to think or to to be overconfident in your ability to kind of just ride the waves of like really stressful situations at work. There is a cost to making a decision that you think is about the money when you are going to, there will be a health cost if you walk into a situation that's not, yeah. That is true, right? And I think we, we, we think like, okay, yeah, but that's like not the cost cost. But like I have seen firsthand, secondhand, yeah. it is absolutely a cost. And we, we are now in a place where we can't really. It's like we don't that. have any spare change when it comes to our wellness. There's no fungibility because I feel it. I totally, you're saying this and I'm just like, yes, this is because I was, I, I still am the queen of muscling through, but it's, I'm not all the time and I'm not. And I feel the, and, and then to draw it back to the question, it then, if you're starting to feel this about yourself and realize that you can't just muscle through, then you, you don't want to get stymied on making a, decision, you now have a choice. Like, you know, like, but that can almost be terrible because if you just had one job offer and you need a job and you take the job, you don't have that. And so now I can see even being a little bit more like, yeah, but which one, you know, what about my wellness? What about, you know, though, to which I say very tactically, no job is a forever job. I mean, am I just too Gen X and, and, job instability itis person, but also kind of don't overthink it. I don't know if you think I'm wrong about it. Like, I think you can get another job. If it turns out you, it wasn't a fit, I guess is also, you know. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's really hard. I just think, and I, I can't make this choice for everyone. And, yeah. and I might my own words at some point, but I do think <laughs> I that making that, that when your body is telling you it's yeah. going to be rough for me, but I got to do it. My mind says I got to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't entirely trust that like, that's all going to come out in the wash. Like mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge when something in your gut tells you that it's, um, yeah. It's going to be too expensive to your well being. You know, I, I don't know why I'm all, it's all currency minded. It's compensation, but your wellness compensation. Can yeah. we do that in addition to anything else? And seriously, compensation is, is super important. Never, never look down. But, you know, as my lovely mother, who probably is listening to this, would say, don't take the job for the money. So, you know, if you look at the whole thing and you're like, oh, but there's equity and oh, and there's, you know, whatever beyond the base salary. Don't just take the job for the money. It never works out. It just yeah. doesn't. You know, yeah. if your body's saying no, but your pocketbook is saying yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. There's a, you know, and and then, you know, if it's a wrong one, don't stay. Go find another job. Exactly. I think that's the piece. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So what's our recap? I personally it listening to this is to think of this as what's the wellness compensation here? You know, yeah. like yeah. How is that being taken care of? How much am I going to have to spend on this? What can you see that will kind of help you figure out your budget in that regard? Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's really the key. 
Mm-hmm. Thinking about, you know, what is involved in the wellness, you know, what do you need to think about? Yeah. What, what is sticking out the most? And we were just talking about my favorite, which I can't believe we haven't spoken about before, but the the Surgeon General's framework for workplace mental health and well-being, right? Yeah. So, you know, it talks about as these five different kind of areas that help people focus on well-being at work, you know, or help organizations think about well-being and then what that looks like. And it's certainly like, it's basically Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. But for the workplace, yeah. Like workplace. So like, are you, you know, do you have safety in this job? How much safety do you need? How do you balance Mm -hmm. that with a sense of connection and community with autonomy and flexibility with meaning in your work and growth in your work? Right. But the, the money part comes in at the safety level. And I think there needs to be weighing of that and how that's going to relate to all the other parts. So I love it. Yeah. Hang in there. So think about the bottom of the pyramid, then think about what matters to you at work. Where do you find the most meaning? Is it building at the early stages or not? Right? Just Mm -hmm. ask yourself these questions so that you can say to yourself, even if it doesn't work out, I gave this, I did not come from a place of desperation, right? You know, indecision, I came from a place of strength. I love it. Thank you, Raquel. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us on The Breadwinners. Do you have a sticky work-life question for us? Send it our way at thebreadwinnerspod at gmail.com. We're here to help. And please take a moment to rate and review our show. It really helps. And of course, join us on Facebook or Instagram at The Breadwinners Podcast. And until next time, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.